Hey there. Welcome to the Girl Go Global podcast, where faith and works are empowered. With every episode, we're discussing what it takes to pursue purpose intentionally while doing everything we have in our hearts to do. Together, we're embracing our multi-layered lives with faith, know-how, and grit. I'm your host, Dr. Jasmine, and I'm ready to go global with you. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Girl Go Global podcast, where faith and works are empowered. I have with me a dynamic guest by the name of Miss Jasmine Smith. She is an award-winning business coach who has been distinguished by the governor of Alaska for her achievements as a community leader, entrepreneur, and business coach. She is the owner of Baby Then Unlimited, which was born out of her lived experiences as a single mother with twins, no less. Baby Then is a company determined to create solutions for parents who need access to baby necessities in a pinch. Not only that, Jasmine is still able to be a business coach all while being a single mother running a multi-million dollar business. She has coached more than 250 entrepreneurs across the country. I have with me Miss Jasmine. Please, 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 Jasmine, introduce yourself to the Girl Go Global community. Well, I mean, I don't know what to say to an intro like that. <laughs> my, <laughs> name is, my name is Jasmine Smith. I am originally from Savannah, Georgia, but I'm super, super proud to be a lifelong Alaskan. I am a lover of all things entrepreneurship. I am a self-proclaimed serial entrepreneur and a community organizer because I just love my community and I really want to you know start and grow successful businesses so I can in turn give back and help make our communities better so like you said I do baby then I had founded a co-working space called Emoja co-working my favorite Kwanzaa principle and I also do business development consulting especially for women businesses uh, minority-owned businesses and then businesses located in underrepresented parts of my city. So it's a little bit about me. Thank you, Jasmine. It was so great to hear from you and to have you join me on this podcast. It's been such an honor just to kind of have you on here to chat with you because I know you're so, so busy. I We met, I guess it was... Um, what was it, 2018 or so, 17? so, yeah. Really? And, it, and to have you host us in... Alaska and just to kind of learn a little bit more about the culture there and I can't wait to get back there just to kind of in the summer of course yes yeah, you know we say you got to come in the summertime but it was like February yeah it was still great and I and I enjoyed myself but I'm so excited to have this conversation with you particularly because you are doing some great things in Alaska you're doing great things in the vending space and I want to just have a conversation with you about everything that you're doing. And perhaps you can jump into some tips, tools, and strategies for people who are looking to get into your space. But most of all, just share some of your knowledge because you are literally a wealth of knowledge. Now, the Girl Go Global Community and Podcast is really about empowering women to reach the reach the calling that they feel from within and reach their destiny. And we're talking about faith. We talk about strategy and we talk about their courage to step out and do various things. So 
you are one of those people that I know uh, is grounded in your faith and your faith takes has taken you to leaps and bounds. And I just really want to open up our conversation just to kind of learn more about what got you into business and in particular, the vending space, because you don't typically hear about people going into that space. Can you tell me a little bit more? Man, so, so yeah, I got into vending just as a parent with the need, shopping at the mall. I had my baby twins and, and my son was out of diapers and I was just kind of stressed out like, oh my gosh, is there like a machine or something? So I went home and I kind of researched. I studied the market and I, and I asked myself, is this a big market? Is it a small market? Is, is there opportunities for me to get in? What can I do that has not been done before? How can I do things different and make a unique brand? And honestly, that's how Babyvin was born. Um, I tell the very honest story. I had no idea how to do anything with the vending machine with the exception of swipe my card and get my product. Mm -hmm. So it was a very complicated learning experience. And at the time, I didn't feel like I had any support. I was just figuring out as I went along, um, you know, I had a, 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 another job at the time and I just said, you know what, I'm going to save my money and buy a vending machine. I'm going to put it in my garage and I'm just going to learn. And mm. from there, I just said every night when my kids went to bed, I would go to my garage and just practice vending, practice machine, figure out how to put stuff in it and just teach myself because there wasn't that that support that is wide known. Mm. So for me, it was venturing into a brand new industry. But throughout the steps, I was committed to teach others. I was very transparent in being like, I have done service-based businesses my whole career. So to go from a service-based business to vending, which people don't know, vending is the second hardest type of business, second to a restaurant. That was a mm, learning curve. Really? So yes, <laughs> yes. I tell people all the time, it's the hardest business I've started, but it's so rewarding. And I'm happy that we're now at a place where we can bless others and, you know, support others with their business. And they don't have to feel how I felt when I got started. Wow. That's so good. You, you mentioned so much that I want to delve deeper into. What does it take for someone to even purchase a vending machine? Yeah. So I tell people with vending, you start backwards. You have to first ask yourself, what do you want to vend? There mm. are two vending industries out there. You have vending and you have custom vending. Mm. And custom vending is what I'm in, and it's okay. still fairly new. It okay. means you're vending something other than soda, candy, snacks, water, that stuff. Okay. So I tell people, the number one thing is thinking about what you want to vend, because there are so many different kinds of machines that are best and appropriate for those kind of, you know, like types of like products. Mm -hmm. And then you ask yourself, I can get machine from America. I can get a machine from China. What's going to be the best for what I'm trying to do in the best quality. Gotcha. So I tell people it's easy to Google vending machine. You're going to find thousands of companies who say buy my machine, but you got to ask yourself, how's the quality? Mm -hmm. How's the customer service? You know, mm -hmm. what kind of tech support do they have? What kind of warranty? And okay. can this machine even fit my stuff? You know, so those okay. are just a few questions that like I tell people ask before they just see a pretty shiny machine and say, I'm going to buy it, you know. But my blessing is like we've come so far and had so many um, 
you know, folks that we partner with that we're in the process of trying to get our own vending machine warehouse so we can build our own machine. So that excites me. (laughs) That's interesting. That's so interesting. Um, so the, like, uh, is a vending machine thousands of dollars? Do you go through a vendor? Uh, obviously, it sounds like you you did a lot of research and you, there are options for, I guess, building your own or going through yeah. another company, maybe overseas or here in the U.S. Um, yeah. What does I mean, it so cost? That, so like, what's the what's the price point on a vending machine? Maybe like so for a snacks bare and basics things. to the point if you're just doing like soda and snacks, a good quality one. Mm-hmm. No less than three thousand. Okay. A bare basics to the point custom machine to like vend other stuff. No less than maybe seven thousand. Gotcha. Um, they have refurbished machines and used machines that run a little bit cheaper. But I say for that level of money, you should just go new and make sure it's gonna last you. You know. So yeah, it can range from three thousand up to seven, six thousand. I've seen some machines as much as 40,000, but I told myself, I don't want to be that expensive. So we never go that high. (laughs) Wow. So man, it's so much to delve into this conversation. So from the point of all of your research until you purchased your first vending machine, how long did that take you? So from research to first vending machine, it was seven months. Okay. Okay. And because I had to save money, (laughs) I had to Mm -hmm. research what I was doing and save. So yeah, it was about seven months. And mm-hmm. I actually kind of got like, I don't know, I feel like I kept getting blessed along the way. Mm-hmm. I went on Craigslist, which probably in retrospect, I would have done that. Mm-hmm. But I went on Craigslist and a lady who just happened to be pregnant was like, I was going to start my own vending company. I got pregnant. I can't do it anymore. Your machine isn't made for this, but I could teach you how to customize it because I love what you're doing. So mm-hmm. for me, that was like, oh, snap, I got a pregnant woman. <laughs> Like, okay, I'm on the right track here, you know? That's so fighting that's your space. I, yeah, I'm like, oh my God, this is for you. And she gets it. So that's how I got into, into it. Wow. So that's that's so interesting. And now that you have, you have, how many vending machines do you have now? Oh man. Um, I don't know the set number, but I do know, let me see. We have machines in Anchorage and Fairbanks, Seattle and Tacoma. The whole LA area down to San Diego, San Francisco, Reno. We have Phoenix and Tucson, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Rochester, Midland, El Paso, McAllen. We have machines from Miami, Tampa, Orlando, all the way up to Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Atlanta area. We have a couple. Maryland, Virginia, D- D.C. area is getting one at their airport. And then our furthest north machine in that region is Staten Island. So mm. uh, I don't know, guess maybe 30, 40, but I know more than that somewhere wow. around there. I know the wow, states wow, wow. and cities more. Yeah. Got you. Got you. This 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 is great. This is a really great conversation. So how long did you take to build from that one to maybe 30 plus? Two years Two and years. that required patience. Mm-hmm. My very first contract in machine location was Shockwave in Anchorage, What's, Alaska. Is that a, a trampoline store? park? Oh, it's trampoline a trampoline park. park. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then from there, my first big contract that I was like really excited about was a Ted Stevens Airport. Mm. And I had enough sense to understand like, no matter how happy I am, I purposely only had one machine for a year mm-hmm. because I knew. 
one is easy, but to scale, we had to be ready. So I didn't, I didn't rush it at first. Mm -hmm. Two years. I mean, for some, what you've done, what you've managed to accomplish in two years is just phenomenal. I, I can't say that it was slow from my eyes. I know probably while you're in the thick of the research and development planning and negotiation and the raising of capital, that may seem like it's long and laborious but right. two years is for what you've managed to accomplish and the money that you've managed to raise I, I heard you on a recent uh, not so long ago black directory call when you talked about the capital you were able to raise and win and yeah. earn through pitch contest and other types of investors and things of that nature it's just it's just really phenomenal right yeah and it was like a, you know yeah and I'm gonna tell you though like I tell people all the time Initially, I didn't have that. It took mm-hmm. time and I had to like work for it. And, you know, as, as a black woman in business, I feel like I had to triple prove myself to like mm-hmm. get the funding. So it took patience and like time and I had to like prove myself and prove my concept to finally get there. And when I got there, I was like, oh, this is great. Like this is this is a big, a big blessing, you know, and, and it was a lot of work. But the circle now and the support is just unreal. Mm-hmm. Wow. So tell me a little bit, how long, let's just, let's go back for a moment. How long have you been in business? I know you, you've been coaching for quite a while. You've done a lot of different businesses in Alaska, but how long have you been in business? Yeah. So my very first business that I, I can like always tell the story is when I was 19 in college in Atlanta at that time, I had thought I wanted to be a music business manager. So I went to UC Berkeley um, to be a certified music business manager. And at the time, everybody in school, all the rappers and all them told me I talked proper. So they would pay me to call venues and stuff for them, <laughs> to book mm-hmm. shows for them, and then teach them how to do contracts and stuff. So that's why I have like a weird special place in my heart for all things like music and the artists, because like when I very first got started, they were the first people that I consulted. And it was just like, this is how you sound professional. This is how you make a basic agreement. This is what you say when you call a venue. And I realized, my like, oh, I, I have power in this. This is nice. This is something different. So I kind of, from there, I went and did the majority of my business in the villages because Anchorage was saturated and I found my niche. My niche is working with like cultural groups and non-traditional communities and stuff like that and teaching them how to start and grow their business, but doing it in a way that was like, culturally responsive and sensitive you know what I mean mm-hmm. and and so yeah so when I was 20 that was my first business was working with rappers <laughs> and then from there um in my mid-20s I went back to the village I lived in the village in high school for a little while my mom sent me out there on an exchange program and I ended up loving it and having a lot of relationships so I started my second business out there okay okay amazing that you are literally running baby then unlimited right you had so many different vending machines 40 plus vending machines across the country where did you get the faith to kind of step out and say I'm going to do this and by the way I'm going to do it in a way that's unlimited that overtakes leaps and bounds that you might have even imagined Honestly, my faith at that that moment in that situation was my kids. I mean, I was a first time parent. I had twins. I was, you know, going through a divorce, even though they were babies. And I just knew that 
I had to transition and pivot somehow. So on top of just seeing a, a need, I just was committed that I had to figure this out. You know, I was in kind of a, it was a rough spot, kind of a dark place. And I was still kind of finding myself post-parenting, finding myself post-relationship um, fail. And for me, baby then became like a, a light in the tunnel, so to speak. Something that I could look forward to, something that I really like latched onto and I believed in. And that honestly kept me going on like my darkest, most complicated day, truthfully. Mm. Wow. That's so good. Do you, how do you stay grounded? You, how, when you, you're running a million dollar business, a million dollar brand, let's be clear, you can't be having all these vending machines and not be. And I know that you once recently won some um, investment or investment yeah. types of um, monies to support your business. And I really like to get into that further in our conversation. But how does it keep you grounded? What organizational skills do you put in place? Do you, what, do you have a staff that helps to support you? Yeah. So when I first started, it was literally me plus one. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, shout out to Casey. Casey really held it down and she helped me. I joked, get the machine out of my garage. Mm. And after we grew and we pivoted, the one thing that I always fall back on business, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I always make myself a job description. So I knew that I was venturing into something different. I knew that I was going to have to multitask and, and juggle a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things. And a, and a thing that has always helped me with my business, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I tell other entrepreneurs and myself, make a job description for yourself. Treat yourself like you would treat somebody on your payroll working for you. And I really use that job description to not only develop what I had to do in terms of oversight for myself, but I was able to use that job description to say, these are the tasks that I have to do, but I don't really enjoy them. So when it's time to hire, I'm probably going to hire these first, or these are the things that's like more, you know, time consuming that I got to do regularly versus once in a while. So like that simple, like activity is something that I'm really serious about. Mm -hmm. And I was able to have better clarity when it was time to hire, because I knew what I needed them to do. And I knew that doing it strength things they were doing something that I wasn't good at therefore it was easier to let go I didn't feel the need to micromanage them because I didn't want to do it in the first place Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you went from two to how many are on your team now yeah so I went from two to 11 wow Um, and and I know we need more but yeah it's amazing to it's a it's a labor of love and trust to Mm -hmm. be able to turn your dream over to others like even now I make myself leave the office sometimes and I make myself go on vacation. I make myself not answer because I got to see if my team can handle it or not. You know, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's a good strategy. You know, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs who have scaled in your way, who have said it took a lot of trust to depend on other people to run their, their baby, their business, if you will. So that's, that's definitely a running theme that I have heard from a number of business owners. Now, if someone wanted to, I guess, get into your industry and they wanted to, for for example, are you thinking about franchising your business? Yeah. So I don't, I don't have any franchises, but I do sell my machines and I do provide support. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that in the vending industry, if there's a great brand, people do sell their machines and allow people to buy them and do their own business. So we do sell our machines. We have people who buy them all the time and 
they have their own ideas of places to put the machines at and we have an agreement. But I try to be a little bit more um, flexible than, than being a full service franchise because I want people to have the flexibility to to not only get a baby vent machine, but kind of customize it to their vision, their needs, and what might be a strength or popular in their community. And honestly, like that's our backbone. So the people running our machines right now or people who buy our machines, that's my number one priority because they're the ones that have my brand out there. So I want to make sure they're supported. Right. So how do you maintain the level of excellence and value added? You know, if someone else is running one of your branded vending machines, uh, how do you maintain, you know, the level um, to which you should, you want your business to be known for? Yeah. So with us, we have a really good, and shout out to Sharita, my sales coordinator. We have a really good pathway to purchase. So from the minute somebody inquires and they say, I want a baby bin machine, it's not a guaranteed yes. First, you got to go through an open house. You got to do some paperwork, some understanding. You get to know our team. You're in a two-day, two-part training, part virtual, part in-person. And then aside from that, it's having like clear brand expectations and guidelines. So it's us saying, we don't mind if you take your brand and you run with it, but you got to run with it to our standards. And ways that we try to like do that is just by having not just I'm going to sell you a machine and turn you loose, but having follow up conversations, having owner support options, having resource drives and folders for them to find what they need. So even if, you know, there's somebody brand new, they go through the same training and steps that we would go through to make sure they're a good fit, you know, and they're going to represent our brand to the level that we would represent our brand. Wow. That's all good. Seems like you have the systems in place. That's one of the things that I hear from you because um, if you don't have those systems in place, it's hard to have sustainability in business. So that's just awesome that you already have that groundwork laid in, laid in, laid out for those who may be interested in joining the baby vend unlimited family. So tell me a little bit about, if you will, the best advice you would give women who want to step into your industry? Yeah. So the advice I would give them is do it. I would tell them there's a lot of opportunity. I would tell them the first machine is always the hardest because you're finding that, that norm um, and you're, um, you know, trying to, to find your footing. So my advice is go for it and do it but have a good plan of action and make sure um, you have something in your corner in terms like team infrastructure, you know, the vending industry is an amazing industry uh, in terms of growth and income. However, um, initially, you know, there's a lot of big decisions to be made, such as like, what machine do I get? What products do I work with? So I, I would tell them if they can have a mentor who can have those initial conversations with you before you just jump right into it. Yeah, that's good. So and when you um, have your, your team in place, you have them all over the country right now. How do you maintain stock? Like that, that, that's, that may be a simple question to you, but it's already out of curiosity around. Yeah, like, so something runs so out. What happens? Two things. On our team, we have regional leads. So mm-hmm. I have somebody who oversees like the Southwest. We have the Midwest, Southeast, Pacific Northwest, Northeast. So we break our country into regions and there's a lead who oversees all the machines in that area and the team in that area. 
So although we are an Alaskan-based company, we have the office in Atlanta, and then mm. we do have ground partners in different regions. So that way, like, if something happens, a machine breaks, there's a problem or a concern, um, someone can get help on the ground. And then aside from that, you know, we also have um, various manufacturing partners. So aside from Baby Van, we also help people develop their own machine brands, hmm. um, whether it's, you know, something different and we're more of a consultant. So that's the number one way. But we also have a software on all of our machines that allows people to remotely monitor. So you can log in on online and on an app and from any location you can be is my machine on? Am I making money? Is there a problem, issue, or concern? And that really helps because you don't have to just keep driving to the machine to make sure everything's okay. You can look on your phone or log in a line or get an email alert. And that kind of helps put the time down to when issues like do pop up. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so good. It takes me back to a memory. When I was a kid, my dad had a vending machine. And I remember going around on the weekend, collecting the coins and restocking the machines in the different locations that he had placed so this idea about this whole idea about wi-fi money or just being able to access it right from where you are no way no matter where you are in the country is dope right so thank you so much for sharing that that that, that gem that tidbit so jasmine if women want to be coached by you want to be supported by you i know i have some personal people in my circle who say hey i cannot wait until you have this release this podcast because they are waiting um to see how they might be able to work with you how can people reach out to you for coaching consulting training and frank or and or franchising yeah so if someone's interested in like vending machines like get one of our machines or anything to- future of that area they would, they would reach out to sales at babyvanunlimited.com and that point of contact is actually sharita uh sharita is great she can walk them through all the processes to the level that i would and i come into play when it's time for training um for the consulting um you know summertime tends to be like our busier season with machines but we do have um a bi-weekly mastermind session that i like to kind of like teach and do with people as a start and then from there if they feel like it's a good fit and they're getting good jewels and they like working with me then we can definitely set up a time to uh, talk and help with consulting and they can email me um, at jasmine at babyvenunlimited.com um, and then yeah we can kind of work from there and I always tell them I, I love mentoring I love helping providing jewels some women talk to me one time and like I'm good others say I want to talk regularly and others say Thank you. That was the boost I needed. And if I can't help them, I have a really good network of folks that I can send them to. But whether it's the mastermind one on one, I love helping and I love being able to give back to other people's businesses. Hmm. I, I know that for sure, because when I first met you, you were all about the give back. So and I was so, yes. so, so <laughs> enjoyed this conversation. You talked about where you got your faith to step out. And, that, and I think your faith comes from, from your children wanting to build that generational legacy and wealth for them. And then you gave, you dropped some gems around how basically God kind of led you to tap in, but you put in that work to do your research. You put in that work to do your back, um, back 
backtracking to just kind of look at how to tap into the industry. And once you did that, you put that faith in action and started strategizing through research and optimization around this industry. You got led, girl. So you have definitely gone global. I know firsthand just from learning from you and knowing you over the last several years, you have come a mighty long way. But it's been in a short time. You told us early on that it was about two years that it took you to scale this business so out before we get off i got a, just a couple more questions for you one the first question is tell us how you gained that access to capital you have won bucks you have won dollars you know what i'm saying so tell us <laughs> how you have gained that access to capital what preparation you put in place how did you seek it just give some information that might help answer you know, people always want to hear, but it's my truth. A lot of times when you get the big bucks right away and they take it personal and they get offended if someone doesn't jump on right away, give me all the money I need. Or there's this misconception of there's a secret dream grant that's going to just come and make all your wildest dreams come true. And I share the story that I had to be patient because I had to raise the money that I needed for my business. And at first, Baby Ben was self-funded by me. Mm-hmm. And then once I got into that and I was able to save a little bit of money and kind of prove that I also had some stake in the game, then I had to make a bomb business plan with, with projections out of this world. And from there, I had to not be afraid to say, I need help, mm-hmm. I need funding. But the thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget is you can't say I need help, I need funding without any other traction or stake in the game. Mm. Even if you only have $500, it's yours that you put into the business. So I found that when I was first getting started and I kept coming up to them with like, no, I don't have any money, I don't have anything, but I want you to fund everything for me. It was a hard no. But when mm-hmm. I changed my ass to, um, and I asked more I've been working for three months. I've saved $1,000. I know it ain't much to you, but it's something to me. Here are my projections. Here's my plan. Here's my team. Then the floodgates of funding started opening up and I saw that people were more receptive to give and help. When I came at them with more of a, this is what I got. What can you match? This is what I can do. What can you do? I had to change my ask. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget that sometimes. It's all in how you ask. You got to have some buy-in, you know? That's good. They always, yeah. you got to have some stake in the game. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard to go to someone and say, I got a dream. Now, I didn't invest in it, but I need you to. Like, what? What are you putting in? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. How about that? Yeah. That's so good. So did you find, you said, did you work three jobs and, and, and you just, is basically boots in the ground with funding yourself. You, you then started to raise money. Did you start with friends and family? Did you go to banks? How did you go about that? I started with friends and family and I knew that they didn't all have all the money I needed, but I had to come at them. Correct. Mm -hmm. I came at them like they were business. I had a meeting. I ran a little office space. I had my PowerPoint, my presentations. I treated them no different than how I would have treated an investor. Mm -hmm. And then I signed up for everything. I signed up for 1 million cups. Um, Every city almost in the country has 1 million cups. It's an opportunity for an entrepreneur to pitch their business Mm -hmm. as a practice every Wednesday. And when investors come, I signed up for websites like helloalice.com who has funding, connections, resources. And I had to, I had to get out there and get my face out there 
talk about my business, my idea. I mean, I couldn't just sit at home waiting for them to learn about me. I had to go and tell them about me. Mm-hmm. That's good. Oh man, that's that's so good. That's some, and you dropped some really good information because especially because I know a lot of people don't even know the first thing about how to get started with raising money outside of yeah. their friends and family. Yeah. So you have around here at the Girl Go Global Community and podcast with talking with Miss Jasmine Smith of the Baby Vend Unlimited. I'm so excited to have spoken to her about her company, how she has managed to scale within just a few short years. And then I know, Jasmine, you also have a new space that you've acquired in Alaska to support business owners. Do you want to yes. tell us a little bit about that before we hop off? Sure. Yeah. So if you're ever in Alaska and you need a place to work out of, we acquired an old elementary school and we named it Emoja Coworking, which is my favorite Swahili principle for unity. And it is designed to be a come as you are grassroots full service uh, co-working space. You can come rent an office space. We even have on-site child care on the evenings and the weekends. And for me, that was my community give back. It is hard enough to start a business, but sometimes you are not surrounded by people who get it. And sometimes you have to change your environment as well for innovation to really flow. So I wanted to not only be preaching and talking about how to start a business, but I wanted to also say, if you're ready for big changes and you want to be around those who get it and get you, here's a space for you to work out of and formulate your goals and your idea. Nice. That's so awesome. And I want to commend you for reaching back to help others. I think one of the greatest things you can embody with one of the love languages of the world is the acts of service. And you truly are an embodiment of acts of service to others. So Jasmine, I definitely want to commend you on that. And I can't wait to visit the location with my husband um, in a very near future. So the Girl Go Global community and podcast is all about that faith in those works to live the authentic and the courageous lives that God created us to live. What does it mean to you when I say girls go global? What does it mean to go global? I mean, honestly, when I hear girls go global, I hear girls can do anything. Um, I hear it doesn't matter where you are. You can do something, be somebody and expand and grow and take it worldwide. Mm, and I feel like that's that's yeah, like I, I resonate with that on a deep level. Yeah, I, I definitely think you are a global girl and you are embracing everything that embodies this community and this podcast. So what can we expect next? So since you already got over 40 vendor machines, you already have people buying um, up your vending machines to put their own product in. What's next for Miss Jasmine Unlimited? How about that? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so in my immediate future, I'm getting ready for my my July sabbatical. Every July, I take the month off from work and I'm getting ready to do a um, an RV trip from uh, Washington to Texas with my kids. I love my babies and I do what I do, what I do for them. Um, so that's what you can expect from me in the near future from a mom in a, in a business individual standpoint, I want to hang out with my kids. Um, and then from a business standpoint, truthfully in the, in vending, we are now working on starting our own Vend university and training mm. program. We're going to partner with the university up here. We're going to partner with um, one of the unions and I want to be able to teach other um, women, especially 
how they can build their own vending machines and maintain their own vending machines, manufacture uh, logistics. And I want to really get into like that, that product and that distribution side of business. So I am currently working on that partnership and collaboration and, and making a women founded ran and led um, manufacturing hub. So that's my, my top twos. Oh man, you got a lot going on and you, but I think it's all good things and it's just like a natural progression. So Jasmine, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this Girl Go Global podcast episode. This has been a great conversation. And girl, Global Girls, if you're looking to get in the vending space, please, please, please reach out to Miss yes. Jasmine Smith. She is a great resource. I can attest to that. And if you're ever in Alaska, look her up. Anchorage, yeah. Alaska. I can almost guarantee you that someone in Anchorage, Alaska knows Jasmine Smith. Just say her name, literally. So Jasmine, I want to thank you so much for coming. This has been the Girl Go Global podcast. And we are around here having faith, having know-how and having that grit to reach the authentic, courageous life which God created us. Thank you so, so much for joining.